This, this morning we're going to continue our series in the Apostles' Creed. By then you're all going to be experts in it. And, and this week we're thinking about the communion of saints. The communion of saints, what does that mean? Well, we're going to break that down a little bit and discover a wee bit more about it, hopefully. Um, but basically, I've got a really cheesy joke that, that can work it all in together. I was in a restaurant. I was in a restaurant with Donna, and we were, we were having a, a lovely night. Then all of a sudden, the lights went out. All the lights went out. And, and the waiter went running around and said, everyone, start clapping. Start clapping. So we looked at each other, and we went, what? What's that like? Okay, fair enough, we'll start clapping. Started clapping, and all the lights went back on. The waiter came back later on, and we said, whoa, what was that all about, the clapping and the lights? He said, ah, many hands make light work. <laughs> and it actually ties into the sermon, because we're thinking about the communion of saints. And when we think about this, it, it, it's kind of interesting language. It's actually how we as church join together and we actually make a difference, not only in the world, which is where we want to be making a difference, but actually we're making a difference in each other's lives and in the lives of those that maybe we haven't met yet or maybe won't meet until eternity. So that is a cheesy way of getting us into the, the sermon. You're going to be home telling everyone about that one. You're, you're going to be loving it. But today, we want to think about this phrase, communion of saints. Last week, we thought about the Holy and the Catholic Church, and it is really quite tied into this next phrase in the Apostles' Creed. We are saying that we believe in the communion of saints. But what does that mean? Well, there's so many words in church, isn't there? If, you, if you're new to church, if you've just kind of dipped your toe in or you've not been around for a wee while, there's so many phrases and, and, and words that, that folk use, and I'm, I'm probably the most guilty of that, that we use that we probably don't explain enough about. And this is another example where we need two words that need a little bit of unpacking. Now, communion. Communion, when we say communion in Scotland, we normally think about this table, don't we? We think about gathering around the communion table, or we think about coming to communion. We, we think about the bread and the wine. But actually, that's not what that word fully means. It, it is part of sharing in the Lord's Supper. But communion means a sharing, a closeness, a togetherness that's maybe deeper than any other sort of fellowship we experience. And then we have the word saint. And it's used often, but what does it mean for us today? Well, the word saint is translated from the Greek, if you're interested, hagios. And then the Latin translated to that is sanctus, and it means holy. And when we speak about saints, we often will think about people who have gone on in the past, folks who have, have done amazing things for God, the, the folks that we celebrate today. But I want you to turn to someone just look him in the eye and say, you're a saint. 
And how many of you, as you've received that, how many of you went, I right? Not me. You might be a saint. Oh, I, there are saints in this church, but it's not me. The truth of the matter is, you are a saint. The minute you come to Jesus and you're a follower of Jesus, you are a saint not because of what you've done or not done, but because of what He has done. When Jesus died on the cross, He died for you, He died for me. He wipes away the sin, and we are saints. We're sinners saved by grace, but actually we are saints because of what Jesus has done for us. When you allow Jesus' saving grace into your life, the Bible tells us that we are a new creation. We are saints. As are those who have died in the faith. As are those who will come after us. And it's interesting, pretty much all the introductions that Paul, St. Paul, gives us in the Bible, apart from Galatians, the Galatians were kind of off, off piste a little bit, that people are addressed as the saints. And if Paul was here, I think he would be, he'd be saying tough words to us maybe, but he'd be calling us saints as well. So thinking about communion, thinking about saints, I think one of the key passages we should read when we're thinking about this theme is found in Hebrews chapter 12. But to get an idea of Hebrews chapter 12, you really have to dig deep into Hebrews chapter 11. You know, when it was all written, there was no verses, there was no chapters. It was all flowing together. And in Hebrews chapter 12, as you read these words, you look back to the great stories of faith that the, the writer to the Hebrews wrote in chapter 11. He speaks about them all. He speaks about all these amazing men and women of faith who did great things for God. And then he goes on to say, I've not got time to describe all these ones as well. Have a look. Have a look. We've not got time to do it this morning either. But have a look. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, we read these words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, is it those who have gone before us? Is it those who are looking down from eternity? Not sure. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The writer of Hebrews takes us on a journey, a journey of the faithful through chapter 11 into chapter 12. What a motley crew they are. What an encouragement for us all. And then, he says, focus our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. There's nothing that you've gone through or are going through that people have not gone through before. There is nothing you're experiencing that the fellowship of believers, the community of faith has not gone through before. To quote another writer in the Bible, there is nothing new 
under the sun. So, when you think about this cloud of witnesses, and, and, and sometimes folk have interpreted that, that there's people watching you, everything you do. I'm not sure about that. That's one for, for Bible studies and house groups to get into. But we have that example before us to inspire us. It's a fellowship that stretches across time. Our community of faith stretches across time. If you, if you go up to the, if you go up to the uh, office up, up the back of the church, as you walk up the stairs, there are pictures of the Kirk Session from, I think, from the 70s. We've, we found and we put them up uh, from the 70s straight through to 2011 was the last one. Arthur, would you another photo, I think, this, this year? Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's fascinating because in my time here, there are folks who have been called home to glory. And I remember and cherish their encouragement. One, one, I'm just quoting one, but there was many, but Etta MacDonald was one who, who always kept me right. When it come to holiday club time, she would say, no, we don't do it that way, Keith. We don't do it that way. But she was a praying warrior. She was a prayer warrior. One of the ones who, who I, I, she used to sit in the pew, I'm, I'm going off piste myself now. She used to sit down here in the pews at the front with Harry Fletcher. I don't know if you'll remember Harry. He lived to be 104 and, and he was full of encouragement as well. But, but Etta, I, I once asked her, Etta, any chance you could uh, move to the back of the church so that if you noticed anyone who was a visitor, you could come in and welcome them? And Etta moved to the back of the church. And whenever there was someone who she didn't recognize, she would, she would just pop along to and say hello and welcome. And, and her, she was a great encouragement to many in this church and across this town. But she's just one example. We could quote many examples of folks who have gone before us who have made a difference to our faith. And I think that's part of what the communion of saints is. But it's also not only those who have gone before us, but those who are looking out for us today. The communion of saints is not simply about celebrating Patrick or Andrew or, or one of these big, big saints. Why the big saints? You know, and, and to be honest, do you think if, if Patrick, what date is Patrick's? March the 29th? 17th. See, folk know, folk know. What's St. Andrew's Day? 30th of November. People know these things. And do you think these saints, as we call them, do you think they'd enjoy being in Chicago on the 17th of March, where they turn the river green and, and they drink until they're sick? Have we ever, you know, Guinness has taken over the celebration of St. Patrick's Day. I could, I could go on a rant there. I just, I just... <laughs> I can feel the soapbox. I'm not going to do it. But my point being, our idea of a celebration of saints, I'm not sure they would even want a celebration of saints, but they would maybe want each one of us to look to their legacy and see what they gave for us. And if you read about Patrick, if you read about Andrew, two examples, because we know them pretty well, you look at their lives and what they did what they did for the kingdom is amazing. What I'm trying to get at is a special bond between Christians. This communion of saints 
is deeper than anything we can ever find anywhere else. The Bible speaks of it as koinonia, an intimate spiritual connection with God and with other believers. And Hebrews 10, if you go further back in Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, encourages us to spur each other on towards love and good deeds, to not give up meeting together, but to keep on encouraging one another. And that's what the communion of saints is, to keep on holding each other up and inspiring and spurring each other on. There is no perfect church because there is no perfect people. None of us, I'm afraid, are perfect in our own strength. We're only perfect through Jesus. We are saints, and the fellowship together changes us, and it can change the world. And as we share in this fellowship, as we build each other up, as we inspire each other on, as we spur each other on, in the same way that it can be painful when a horse gets spurs in its sides to, to G up, our saints who are with us spur us on to greater things. And as we experience that, we serve. We serve in the overflow of that fellowship with God and each other. So I wonder, I wonder if you could pinpoint one or two people who've made a difference in your faith, the folks that have drawn alongside you and inspired you and made a difference. What was it they did? What was it they did? Have you thanked them for it? Did you get an opportunity to thank them for it? And how can you do the same for others? I think I've shared this story with you before. But I, I love it. There's a chap called Bill Havens, and he was, a, he was a very good rower, and he was in the 1924 Olympics, and he was, was pretty much destined to, to get gold. He was, he was one of the first ones to do it, and, and everyone reckoned Bill Havens was going to get gold. But his wife was pregnant back home in the U.S., and, and the Olympics, I think, were maybe they were far away, I can't remember where, but he decided to stay with his wife, and Frank, his son, was born. He opted to stay with her rather than compete and missed out on his gold medal. But the interesting thing is, at the Helsinki Olympics in 1952, that child, Frank Havens, won the gold medal in the 10,000 meter C1 canoe event. And Havens proudly presented the gold medal to his dad, thanking him for waiting around until he was born. I wonder, what is the legacy that people have left with us in the communion of saints? But also, what is the legacy we will leave for those to come? What I believe, what I believe we're about here in church and at home as we're watching in online, is that we are to let God build us up as the body of Christ. We are to be the living stones with Him as the cornerstone. We are here to get equipped to serve Him in the world. And with this foundation, we seek God's call upon our lives. And your call looks different from my call, but each one of us 
has that call. And you might be getting called to be a missionary, or you might be getting called to support a missionary. It may be that you're getting called to step out to do amazing things in the world, out there, or maybe just amazing things in your neighborhood. Some of us, I think, have got the call to full-time ministry within the church. Some of us have got full-time ministry to serve in their schools. Some of us are called to serve full-time with the poor, with the elderly, with those who have addictions. God is calling us. Too often, too often we try and switch off from what God is saying. John Calvin said that God is our father, but the church is our mother. Think about good parents. What do good parents do? They prepare you for the world. They get you ready to go into the world. So let God work in you. And as we share in fellowship together, as someone here prays for you or shares a word of knowledge with you from God, how about you take that risk? You step out into the deep. In a very real sense, the church is a harbor, harbor for the boats, a haven for each one of us to come in, to get replenished, to get served, to get ready so that we can go out into the world where God has called us. No boat is meant to stay in the harbor. The boat is meant for the open sea. And we as church are called to be a sending church, to be a sending church the way the church always has been, so the good news reaches across the world. So, where are we? We're thinking about the communion of saints that stretches across the world, a fellowship that stretches across time. And as we look at those in our lives and in the Bible who have been examples of our faith, it helps us to enable us to run the race before us. We rejoice in our sufferings because of the joy that will come, just like Jesus, who saw his joy to endure the cross. We follow him. So we receive, we participate, and we in turn pass on the communion of the saints. Our job is to pass on the faith. That is to be our legacy, to lead people to Jesus, to be an example, to lead by example. So people will come to know Jesus every day. That's our job, to let people know about Jesus until we die or he returns for us, whichever comes first. Now, some of you are, are eagle eyes. I know that because you check my shoes every Sunday. But if you're an, an eagle-eyed person this morning, you will notice I'm uh, preaching from a different Bible this morning. This is my grandmother's Bible. If you look in the, the, the front it says, to Mrs. Isabella Mack, the schoolhouse at Altmore on the 25th of December, 1971. This is my gran's Bible. I never knew gran had a Bible until she had passed away. 
If you look at her thumbing through the Psalms, you'll see that it's marked. You maybe not see it from where you're sitting, but you'll see pages that are torn. You'll see X's are the Psalms that she, she loved to pour over. And you can see that, I don't know if you can see that, but there are pages that are turned and turned and turned. And I know that my gran prayed for me. I can see from her scribbles that she prayed for her son, my father. And as she prayed for me, as my dad once said, she'd have been, she died when I was 12. She would have been delighted to know that I became a minister of the Church of Scotland. She prayed for me, but she didn't see her prayers come to fruition. But that didn't stop her. And she's still such an example for me today. You know, folks, as, as spirit-filled, passionate, praying followers of Jesus, we will never see all that God does through us. But He is using us. If we're willing and if we're ready to do all that He asks of us, through us, He will use us for His kingdom. His kingdom is here. His kingdom is coming and it is changing the world, and He wants to use us. So dream big, keep going, and hold each other up. Spur each other on, and let His kingdom come. Leave a legacy for those to come. Leave a legacy for those who are coming. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you. We celebrate your goodness. We rejoice for the examples of faith who have gone before us. Lord, we pray that we will be used. We will be used for your kingdom and your glory, that we will leave a legacy for those who are to come. May we, may we breathe life into those who need Jesus. Lord, use us for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray.